Mayday is brought to you by JordanDene.com. That is Jordan, D-E-N-E.com. Uh, she runs an apparel and accessories company. This is functional fandom items. Uh, you can wear this stuff every day. They're totally fashionable and functional, and I think you will really like what you see. So definitely go check them out. Uh, JordanDene.com. Once again, it's J-O-R-D-A-N, like Jordan, uh, D-E-N-E.com. Our organization podcast partner this month is NARAL Missouri. They are Missouri's largest grassroots pro-choice organization working to protect a woman's right to a full range of reproductive health care for over 40 years. For more information about them, you can go to prochoicemissouri.org. That's prochoicemissouri.org to get more information about NARAL Missouri. Lastly, our wild card, and this one I am very excited to introduce you all to, um... It is called Geek Girl Brunch. You can find out all about them if you visit their website, geekgirlbrunch.com. This was something that is really cool. Very grassroots. Started uh, up in New York City by three women who were looking to start a women's only uh, brunch group to just talk about geeky stuff and do geeky stuff with fandoms and all kinds of things. Um, So visit geekgirlbrunch.com. Find your local chapter or start a local chapter. That is geekgirlbrunch.com. Check them out. Hey, everybody. This is Justin back for part two of our two-part interview with Sarah Malaco from Shamazing.net. Uh, wanted to give you the rest of this interview to learn all about what's going on over in Ireland regarding women's rights and trying to make the Eighth Amendment get repealed and make abortion free, safe, and legal over there. Uh, so this will be the continuation of that interview, and I hope you enjoy. Thanks. This is Sarah Malaco with uh, Shamazing.net. So... Okay, we've, we've obviously laid the groundwork. What is happening over there? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about anyone and everyone that is making a headway in trying to improve the situation. Um, absolutely. So we just had our March for Choice um, on Sunday, and it was such a huge success. It was a wonderfully positive experience to march through the streets of Dublin. There was an estimated forty to 50,000 people marching through the streets um, just to kind of give the government a physical visualization of the fact that the people want free, safe and legal abortion. And it was just extremely powerful. And, you know, the speeches that were had afterwards, we kind of congregated on the doorstep of Dáil Éireann, which is our main government building. Um, And, you know, it was just it was really amazing and it was the sixth annual uh, march that we've had organized by the abortion rights campaign and hopefully it could very well be our last so you know it's a really kind of time of flux at the moment um and there are so many people that are really kind of pushing the situation into the public eye um there's anna cosgrove um she started the entire kind of repeal project it started off as kind of a clothing concept to raise money for the abortion rights campaign so anyone that kind of would know anything about you know abortion rights in ireland at the moment you know the the repeal jumper i'm wearing mine right now actually <laughs> you know, for this podcast yes. but you know it's become synonymous with the visual of like an irish woman wanting abortion rights so it's just a black jumper with the word repeal on it and it's near, it was nearly like a trend there for a while. Like you couldn't walk down Grafton Street without seeing one, two, three people, men and women wearing even dogs. Like people had made do- little repeal jumpers for their dogs. There were so many doggos for choice at the Fantastic. march on Sunday. 
like, oh my god, I have to pet them all. So, but, in covering the march, what were some of the highlights for you that day? Other than the obvious, you know, amazing turnout that you got, what were some of the things that you noticed the most or that you covered that you were impressed by or that made an impression on you? Something that really kind of stuck with me was usually when a march like this is happening, the anti-choice side will come out in force to really um, try to nearly frighten people off the track. You know, they kind of come out with their big signs, you know, with fake images of botched abortions and things. And there was essentially no kind of, oh, I can't think of the word now off the top of my head. Counter protest. That's a big big one over here now. (laughs) Yeah, like they had no presence. It was kind of that really stuck with me. From my side, from what I'm hearing from you, it seems to be that the pro-choice side is definitely making a lot of headway and that the Mm -hmm. uh, pro-lifers seem to be, you know, sitting back more, more than less. Well, we definitely make more noise, but that isn't always necessarily a good thing. Like, as much as it's wonderful to get the visibility out there, you'd kind of nearly be wondering, like, why have they been so quiet on the issue? Mm, but yeah. then again, I, as a journalist, I've reached out to various um, pro-life organizations, like the Life Institute would be a big one here in Ireland. Um, I've contacted them multiple times for their input and their opinion on particular issues. I mean, obviously, I need I would like to have a balance in my articles, so I would reach out to them. Um, but they would never get back to me and I'd be ringing them and I'd be like, oh my God, why are they not answering? Um, and then, so I went one day to their Twitter to see if I could find like another point of contact. And I was scrolling away through all their tweets, kind of, you know, laughing to myself a little bit because I personally, you know, have just no time for their, you know, propaganda essentially. And suddenly shock of my life, a picture of myself on their Twitter And I was like, it was a picture of myself taken from my personal social media of me wearing a repeal jumper. And the tweet was, I have been getting a lot of abusive messages on Twitter and I hadn't really known why. But, you know, as a woman on the Internet who talks about feminism, you get a lot of um, crap from people anyway. So I just thought I was having a bad week. But then I saw that the Life Institute had published a picture of me on their Twitter page saying, oh, you know, we got a media request from this journalist. I think she's a bit biased because I was wearing a repeal jumper uh, and I had and my ma- my mailbox had been flooded with like all this all these ridiculous you know abusive messages and it was obviously all stemming from this post but I was like do you know what don't give out they say that the Irish media is obsessed with the pro-choice narrative but like don't be given out that you're not getting any airtime when you won't give a right. journalist a call back sure <laughs> The other question I had, and I know I'm pretty sure this is a phenomenon everywhere, I think, um, in the United States, especially religion uh, still plays an obvious part with the conservative movement. But overall, (laughs) as a population, um, when they take polls, people are less and less tying themselves to organized religion or any kind of, you know, fundamental Christianity, per se, or any other religion. in Ireland, is it still with the history of the Catholic Church there, are, with the current population um, coming up and the new generations, is it still so mm-hmm. tied to, the, to Catholicism or is that kind of waning like it is across the globe? 
Well, on paper, it would still be an exceptionally high level of Catholic people here in this country because our education system is kind of tied to the Catholic Church mm. in that through school, through your primary school education, you make your communion, your confirmation, etc. So all that so, is tied, the school system, education system is tied into the church officially or just kind of that's how it's always been? Well, there, there would be non-denominational schools, but they would not be the norm. Um, so, you know, if you were to take like a, a census of the country, like majority of people are going to put down Catholic because they've made their confirmation. So they're sworn into the Catholic church at the age of 12. They don't really, you know, they haven't left it because that's probably effort. I don't know if it is, but for me myself, I wouldn't really see such an attachment to religion among my peers. Um, I mean, I'm 23, so I'm quite young. Maybe people are in the kind of space where they're questioning their religion. Sure. But I also, I do know people in my peer circle that are people of faith and, you know, they do believe. And like, that's fair enough as well. I mean, I think in this generation, no one really cares what you believe and what you don't believe. Right. And, you know, those ties of what I would feel would be oppression from the Catholic Church on women in my generation, I don't really think are there. It's more coming from the older generations. Sure. And, and I think you're right. With There's not necessarily the problem with being Catholic or claiming yourself to be Catholic, because obviously with the deep ties, you know, your family is Catholic, and so you've been that for, you know, generations. Mm -hmm. So it's maybe identifying with that more as the lifestyle, or I am Catholic because my family is Catholic. But I guess it's yeah. more so a newer, a better attitude towards issues, social issues like this. Is that something you're seeing as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even in, God, is it two years ago now, 2015, we had the marriage equality referendum. Ireland was the first country to uh, legalize gay marriage by public vote. Woo! So, you know, tides are turning. I mean, I think um, it was actually illegal to be gay in Ireland until 1993. So, so in the last 20 years, we've gone from, you know, people being imprisoned for being gay to having a public vote in favor of gay marriage and the celebration of, you know, loving whoever the hell you want, as it so should be, in my opinion. Right. So, you know, it really does show that Ireland is changing, like there is a new Ireland. And I guess the next step is the campaign to fully allow women to have their bodily autonomy. So is that the big final domino, do you think? Is that the largest issue looming over Ireland at this point as far as social things go? Definitely. Definitely. I think so. I think it's the most pressing matter of our time um, currently. And I really think that once we have that, it really will bring us in line with the rest of Europe. And there have been so many kind of public campaigns about it. Um, and the government is finally taking notice. I mean... This is something as well that kind of reminded me of The Handmaid's Tale. You know when Moira is like escaping the Jezebels and she's making this like really heroic like trip up to Canada. It's mm -hmm. like taking her ages to get there. Yep. Well, that always reminded me of like Irish women who have to travel. And about a year ago, or maybe it could even be two years ago at this stage, um, a Twitter page called Two Women Travel was I set up. I read about this. I read about this. So they, they basically tweeted, live tweeted their journey to the uk correct 
Yeah, they it was an anonymous page. They live tweeted their entire kind of abortion journey to the UK. So it was one woman who was procuring the abortion and a second woman who was her friend or something, her sister perhaps, that we don't know because it's anonymous. She was just accompanying her so that she wouldn't have to go through it alone. Um, the Twitter bio was like two women, one abortion, 48 hours from home or something like that. Um, so they documented every aspect of the process um <coughs> excuse me and they added like our current Taoiseach of the time Enda Kenny in every tweet um <laughs> so he would see it all every time he opened his Twitter or perhaps every time his intern opened his Twitter right. who knows but um yeah so there's just been so many things like that that just really kind of show that we want a full repeal of the eighth amendment so that just every pregnant person in Ireland has access to safe and legal abortion, free from the shame and stigma, and just free from the requirement to travel or face prison time. And even Amnesty International have gathered data on Ireland that show that 80% of Irish people want to repeal the Eighth Amendment. This is reflective further of data that we gathered at Amazing recently, um, where we found that ultimately 90% of people in a poll said that they were eager to see a repeal to the amendment. And they cited kind of, you know, bodily autonomy and equality as the main reasons that they were interested in the campaign. And obviously for the outcome of next year's referendum, that was all data um, gathered by my editor, Neve McClelland, who is an extremely talented writer who also um, does a lot of pieces on the repeal campaign. But, you know, some women even said that they themselves had been forced out of their own country to get this basic medical procedure in the survey that we did and that they didn't want any more women or families to feel like criminals because our politicians are cowards. Mm. But that is a quote from the survey that we did. Now, I know that when we spoke initially um, uh, back in August, you said that there had been a public referendum where they, had, you know, in Ireland, I guess, to try and... Um, get any laws changed they have a public gathering where a certain amount i think you said a hundred is that correct or a thousand people uh where they basically gather the public opinion which then uh if it is i guess the majority sends it to the government where the government has to make some kind of response is that correct am i saying all that correctly yep um so it's called the citizens assembly and it is a gathering of 100 randomly selected people from all over ireland that are reflective of the kind of age and gender demographic um it was a series of meetings um where they were presented with both sides um pro-choice and pro-life all of the hard cold facts about abortion about how many women travel what the procedures are all these, you know, just essentially the facts. Um, and then the committee would vote on what kind of action they would advise the government to take. Um, and 87% of them voted that the Eighth Amendment should not be retained in full. So, Right. I know the, one of the things I did read is that there's a kind of a split between people that think it should be a full repeal and people that would be happy just with tweaking the amendment itself and so what talk to me a little bit about that because that was kind of a newer development that i'd seen what's the uh public opinion on that if you will um yeah so i know we were chatting earlier about the referendum that's coming up and i was saying how 
Um, you know, although they've called a referendum, it might not necessarily be to have abortion in all circumstances. It might be something like, oh, should we have abortion in cases of rape, incest or fatal fetal abnormality? Um, like even if you're raped in Ireland, you cannot get an abortion. And fun fact, the average prison sentence for rape in Ireland is about 10 years. So if you get an abortion as a result of your rape, you're going to probably face more prison time than your rapist potentially could. There is a kind of divide in opinion as to to what point women should be allowed to have an abortion. Um, and I guess it's just your personal opinion. So if you think that it should be allowed in any circumstance, be that, you know, just a personal choice financially, you know, you cannot take care of another child mentally. You don't think that you could handle um, parenthood, etc. Or if it should just be in those specific cases. And there's also a huge division in whether or whether or not people think that you should be allowed to have an abortion up to 22 weeks or just up to 12 weeks. Mm. Um, there is a debate whether it's at some point between 20 and 24 weeks where the fetus can live independently outside the womb and that that should be the cutoff point for when you can get an abortion. So I think that, you know, it's always going to be such a huge topic of conversation until they decisively know when that cutoff point is. So I, I just don't know. We, we need to wait for the scientists on that one, I think. That's so, actually something that uh, just this past week, I believe, um, after the last time they tried to repeal the health care bill mm -hmm. here, um, they are now pushing a 20-week abortion ban uh, for abortions after 20 weeks here in the United States. That, but yes, we, we have something very similar going on here. So moving forward, after your march, the successful march with, you know, little, you know, input from the uh, pro-lifers. Uh, mm -hmm. Where do you see this going on your gut opinion, being a journalist over there and knowing what you know and from the ins and outs of the government and the public, where do you see this ultimately ending up? I think that the referendum hopefully will pass, but I am, I do fear that it will be a conservative question that will be posed to the public. That is my fear. But my hope is that the referendum will be posed as should abortion be allowed in all circumstances in this country? And I do feel that if that question was posed, the referendum would pass. And then, I mean, we don't have the services here. We don't have the education. Abortion is not, you know, part of the curriculum for our medical education here. So, you know, there'd be so many things that would have to be put into place. Right. I think it's a long, it's a long slog and we have a long, we still have a, a way to go with the fight yet, but we're at a, a pinnacle at the moment. And I really think that this referendum is going to just be the turning point for Irish women. So who decides how it's worded? Because uh, to clarify for some of the people listening that might not understand, so once the referendum is made by the government, this has to go to a vote to the people, correct? Yes. Okay. So it will go to a public vote. And it will be the wording will be decided by our government officials, by our elected officials in the Dáil. And what is your, uh, the what, is, is our, what is your confidence is in them wording this appropriately? I'm going to go with... I'm at like 40, 60, like I 60% think that they will pose a conservative change. But I am hoping that the, you know, the kind of the strong voice of the people will kind of shine through and influence their decision to 
put it as a very open question, one that allows abortion in all circumstances. And I think that will come down to a lot as well, how much more we keep pushing this campaign, keep pushing to get the word out there, how many people want this, how we want it done. And I just think, you know, the fight isn't over. We have to keep going with it. Yeah, I think that's probably going to be the most challenging part now is, you know, if you you have something where you have a 50,000 person turnout, um, people are going to think, oh, wow, that was a great success and maybe get a little complacent. So I think the challenge now is to keep this moving forward and not let people get complacent on the issue just to keep the pressure on the government. Absolutely, because that was a question that was posed. Well, why are you having a march for choice when you're getting your referendum that you've wanted for so long? But, you know, we still don't know how it's going to be worded. We still have to push to show the government what we want and just hope that they do listen. And obviously they are starting to. And the groundswell seems like it's in your favor, um, but obviously Mm -hmm. the roots and the history runs deep and is not necessarily in your favor. But uh, it seems like progress is in some level around the corner for you all. So uh, we obviously wish you the best. You know what side that we are on for this (laughs) issue, clearly. And uh, we just want to keep following up with you if anything, you know, progresses with the amendment and the referendum and uh, keep us in your thoughts so that you can uh, let us know how things are going and tell people right now where they can find more information on your reporting and all things Shemazing. Um, well, they can find me at shamazing.net or at Sarah Malocco on Twitter. We do extensive coverage of um, abortion rights issues on Shemazing and on the Repeal the Eighth campaign. Um, if anyone needs any information regarding abortion services, they can find that on the Repeal the Eighth website or on the Abortion Rights Campaign or at Free Safe Legal on Twitter. Excellent. Well, Sarah, uh, we really appreciate you uh, following up with us. I'm glad we finally got to talk about this issue after a month of going, hey, 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 we're going to talk, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, building up to it. And so it's been very nice to finally speak to you and get to talk about the actual issues. And uh, I could not be more happy with the success of the march. And once again, just hope that the uh, momentum carries people to be more uh, vocal and not get complacent, because I think that is the big challenge here. So. Absolutely. We just have to keep pushing, pushing forward until we're able to get bodily autonomy for women here. And, you know, if any of your of the listeners of this podcast want to support, you can tweet our Taoiseach at Leo Varadkar on Twitter and tell him that Irish women should have the right to abortions, please. <laughs> we will do that. We will push that on the social media. I will uh, get with you so I can make sure that I spell everything that you just said correctly. Um, <laughs> and we'll uh, we'll push that out there because that could be fun. Uh, you know, we like to rile up government officials <laughs> once in a while. I'm, I'm sure he gets hundreds of tweets every single day being like, oh, we, well, actually, that's kind of something interesting. Um, you know, Justin Trudeau, yeah. another person you yeah, may everybody. have heard of. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, the guy who everybody wants to run their country now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> the Irish have like this slight obsession with him. I mean, not sure why we've actually been like called a thirsty nation for Justin Trudeau. <laughs> But um, seriously, international headlines. Ireland wow. is thirsty for Justin Trudeau. But um, yes, so Leo and Justin are like Leo Varadkar being our, our Taoiseach, are quite pally. Um, so when Leo was over chilling with Justin in Canada, there was actually a campaign on Twitter for Justin to inform Leo Varadkar about the abortion rights in Canada <laughs> so that he would, you know, chat to his I buddy. Like it. 
That's awesome. There's actually like there's really cute like bromance pictures of them running through Phoenix Park in Dublin and stuff. That's Everyone fantastic. was mad for Justin when he was here. We were a bit thirsty. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> well, everybody is. I mean, uh, you know, as Margaret Atwood said uh, a month or so ago when we saw her, uh, you know, Canada is having its moment right now as the uh, kind of the new uh, country in the spotlight for all oh. things human rights. It so, is the golden age for Canada, I must absolutely. say. Absolutely. So, all right, Sarah, thank you for touching base with us. We will definitely keep in touch with you um, and keep uh, getting updated on this issue. And again, we hope that things keep progressing and that all goes well for this uh, repeal, the Eighth Amendment situation. Thank you so much for having me on, Justin. It was I was so excited to kind of share this information with you guys. We are absolutely happy to put it out there. It's a very important issue um, for everyone, I think, um, because it just doesn't affect you guys. Obviously, your laws there affect you, but this issue is you're not alone. So I think getting any information out, regardless of where it's taking place, is very important. So that is why we're here, and I'm glad you were able to help us do that. So until next time, this is Justin. That was Sarah Malako with Shamazing.net, and we will talk to you next time. This was the Handmaid's Tale podcast, Mayday. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Please head over to allconsumingcontent.com for more great podcasts. You can check out Back to the Money Bin, a DuckTales podcast, Player vs. Player podcast, and Blues Hockey podcast. You can also check out our radio station at Handmaid's Resistance Radio that is on Slacker Radio or for free on the Slacker app.